0: Well, this morning we come to Genesis chapter 26, so please open your Bibles up there, Genesis chapter 26. And we're actually going to only look at the first six verses of this chapter today as the Lord has placed a teaching on my heart as I was studying this week uh, that will have us kind of focused on a certain topic, I guess. Um. However, as we always do, we will spend some time looking at other scriptures in the Bible today as well. And I usually never give a title to my teachings in advance, but this morning I'm I'm going to. The title for this teaching is, Are You Losing Your Mind? And you'll see as we get to the end of this teaching what that question means. Are you losing your mind? So jumping on into verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heavens. And I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Okay, so let's touch on these first six verses here. So another famine has come to the land. And it is pointed out to us there in verse 1 that this wasn't an additional famine to the one we read about that Abraham had experienced in his life. We read about that famine back when we studied Genesis chapter 12. And you know, as I touch on this subject of a famine, it brings to my mind a certain topic, a certain fact of this life. And that is the fact that Times are not always good for us here on this earth. And I think if we're all, all honest, we'd, we'd all attest to that. Not everything comes up roses in this life, does it? And you know, from a scriptural standpoint, God in His Word never said it would always be good for us here on this earth. Sin ruined everything a long, long time ago, back in the very beginning. And you've heard me quote many times before from the Gospel of John, chapter 16 and verse 33, where Jesus himself told his disciples, in the world, you will have tribulation. So again, this is a fact of this temporary life, right? This temporary life, as we now know, it has both its ups and its downs, right? It's good times and it's bad, right? but there will be good times for sure. And we thank God for that. But again, there are bad times. Now, understand that as I say this, that this type of thing is not really taught all that much in mainstream Christianity today. The kind of thing I'm talking about that we're gonna go through hard times, that there's gonna be bad times, there's gonna be trials and troubles in this life. And I believe that, that that is a cause for confusion Amongst many Christians today, you see, if it's taught that everything is always going to be good in this world and everything always should be good for you, then many people think that something is wrong with them when things go bad, that God has somehow abandoned them or they're doing something wrong. Now, Scripture tells us that if you love the Lord, that all things work together for good. But that also means that bad things. When bad things happen, right, good can come out of that because God works those things together for good. doesn't mean everything's always going to be good. In Romans chapter eight, the apostle Paul talks about tribulation. He talks about distress, persecution. He talks about famine. And all these things are things that can happen in this fallen world where we now live. But Paul also goes on to say, but nothing separates us from the love of Christ. So no matter how we try to slice and dice it, no matter how much we want to try and sugarcoat this life or, or make positive confessions about everything's, everything, dark times do come in this life. And there are cloudy days for all of us and the rain falls on each one of us from time to time. But here's the good news. Even though all of that is a fact of this life, we don't have to go through this life like uh, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? right? You, you know, always trodden down, always negative. And even when we are in the midst of dark times and things seem to be falling apart all around us, we have a refuge. We have a reason to be cheerful. Now, I've quoted to you already this morning from John chapter 16, but let's go ahead and turn there. Mark this page in your Bible and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 16. It's in the New Testament. You'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. The Gospel of John chapter 16. And let's go ahead and, and look down at that verse I did quote from earlier, verse 33. So John sixteen thirty-three. Jesus says here, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus was here, again, speaking to His disciples, and after the crucifixion of Jesus, and after His burial and resurrection, these disciples would indeed go on to experience tribulation in their lives. And quite frankly, none of us here this this morning have experienced the kind of tribulation that the original disciples of Jesus experienced. As a matter of fact, we haven't even experienced the kind of tribulation that the early church, the early followers of Christ went through. None of us yet have become martyrs for our faith in Jesus Christ. And as, and as of yet, no one has come and told us that we can't, buy, we can't gather for Bible studies anymore. No one's busting down this door to raid the house for what we're doing right now, right? But again, In this life, we do experience times of pain and suffering, be it physical, be it mental, be it emotional. And in a way, this can kind of feel like a famine in our lives, like we're going through something real bad, right? But the answer for us today is still the same as it was for the disciples of Jesus here and for the early church. Looking again at verse 33 there, we see where Jesus also says there, in me you may have peace. So what we see in verse 33 is a contrast here between tribulation and peace. We will have bad times in this life, but we find peace in Christ Jesus. So now what I want to do is just expound a little bit on this topic of peace. I want you to turn now to the book of Romans, chapter 8. So a little to the right, still in the New Testament of the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you'll find Acts, the book of Acts, and then Romans. So right after the book of Acts, you hit 1 Corinthians, you went too far. Romans chapter 8. And let's start reading down in verse 5. So Romans 8, 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, so there we see one way in which we can experience peace. We can have peace in this life. Very simply, it is by being spiritually minded people. So this is a rubber meets the road Bible teaching that I'm giving to you here this morning. It's a very practical teaching. Because when you are carnally minded, as it talks about there in verse 6, This is the direct opposite of being spiritually minded. And it means that you are setting your mind on the things of the flesh. The things of this world are bogging you down in one way, shape or form. And you need to do something about it because your mind is being focused on that, set on those things, being carnally minded, the things of the flesh. Becoming carnally minded destroys things. It destroys marriages, it ruins careers, it causes for bad relationships with others. And most importantly, though, it keeps us from the peace of God, from knowing that peace within our heart. But to the contrary, setting your mind on spiritual things will bring you life and peace, as it says there in verse 6. Remember, as I showed you earlier, Jesus said, in me you have peace. And then here in Romans 8, we are told that the way to have this peace is to be spiritually minded, right? So if you put it all together and you come up with a solution here, and that is is that you have to keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus, and this will bring you a life of peace. The old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim." in the light of his glory and grace. So things of the world grow strangely dim to us when we're focused on Jesus, right? To, to turn our eyes upon Jesus means to look at the way that he lived as it's written in the Bible, in, in his word, and to look from in his word and see how he told us to live as well. The prophet Isaiah said of the Lord God in the book of Isaiah chapter 26, he said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's what God's word says, Isaiah chapter 26. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, okay? So yes, there is times of famine, in this life, there are hard times. Abraham, who, how, as we've studied through Genesis thus far, he was a man of great faith, but he experienced famine. And we now see this morning that Isaac experience, experiences it as well, right? And when hard times come, it doesn't mean that God is not with you or that God is in some way against you. It's just simply a fact of this life. We live in a fallen world. But what we are told to do as people of God, we can do something about it. What we're told to do is to be spiritually minded people, not carnally minded people, keeping our eyes stayed on God, fixed on God, on the Lord, trusting in the Lord, and not living like we trust in this world or the things of it. And when we do this, when we fix our eyes on the Lord, we keep our minds stayed on Him, we find peace because we're not carnally minded and focused on the world. So then what are some practical ways that we can be spiritually minded and live a life of peace? Well, I can't get into each one of your lives personally, but if I speak in some generalities, we could use the example of finances because that's big in our lives, right? That's big in our world. Many people worry greatly about this area of their lives. It consumes many people and it also destroys marriages and things and, and causes much stress for us in life. How are we going to provide for our daily needs, our our food, our clothing, our shelter and such, our, our children, this, that, or the other thing, right? Well. Jesus talks about this. So let's take a look at the very practical advice that Jesus gave on this topic. Turn now to the Gospel of Matthew. So back to the left, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter six, and, and let's look down at verse uh, 25. We'll start reading down in verse 25. It says, "Jesus says, "Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is life not, is not life more than food and the body more?" Than clothing. Now, pause right here for a moment because what is Jesus getting at here? What Jesus is doing is he's taking our attention off of the external things of this life, isn't he? He's he's saying that there's more to this life than the external things, the material things of this world, right? He's not saying, he's not giving the solution of, hey, you know what, all you have to do is win the lottery and you'll be set. That's the answer, right? Money is the answer. Just get that, just have enough of it, and you'll win. He's not saying that. He's he's taking our mind in a completely different direction. That's a worldly mindset, right? And people today, even those that profess Christianity, still put so much focus on the uh, external things, don't they? Rather than the eternal things. And we're often so worried about, how we're going to pay for this or, or that, right? Our, our car is getting old, we need a new one. I need this, I need that. I have to have a certain salary in order just to live the way I want. I must increase my education. And all of these things just bog us down. And, and there are far more examples than what I'm able to think of right now. But it's the things of this world that just bring stress upon us and weigh us down. But this is not where Jesus wants us to be focused. And He gives us here a very practical example in verse 26 of how we should be looking at this life. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Okay, so Jesus is describing some birds here, a creation of God, right? And they're not living with blood, sweat, and tears trying to make a living and provide for their retirement, are they? They're not building their 401ks, working ridiculous hours, striving for more and more. Right? That's not what Jesus is painting a picture of here. Now I'm going to tell you something that you might think is crazy, but I took the time to to do this. actually do this one day, and I drove up to Fountain Hills. This was some years back. And I went and I sat on a hill looking at the fountain down there. And I, and I said, Lord, I want to consider the birds of the air, like you said. And I looked, I was looking at the birds. And I'm not kidding you, a bird came and landed about 20 feet away from me. And he pecked his beak into the ground and he pulled up a worm. And I saw that God provided for them. And God showed me, consider the birds of the air. You know, and you think sometimes when Jesus says things, we just blow by it, but he wants us to do it sometimes. You know, take, take note of creation. Take note of what God has done and how God provides for all of us and what he's given us, right? And Jesus continues here in verse 26 and says, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And what is the obvious answer to the question that Jesus asked there. The obvious answer is, yes, we do mean more to God than the birds do or any other animal for that matter. And God will take care of us if we just trust in Him and we keep ourselves spiritually minded rather than carnally minded, focused on the things of this world, right? Not we. We don't want to be focused on and consumed by the things of this temporary life, but rather, we need to be focused on the Lord and the peace that he has for us in him. Jesus goes on in verse 27 to tell us that worrying is futile. He says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Okay, now let's think about what Jesus said there. He brings up Solomon, right? Now, what do we know about Solomon? Well, Solomon was an extremely wealthy man, to say the least. He didn't keep himself from any earthly goods or any earthly pleasures in his life. Right, If his flesh wanted it, he went after it. And you can go back and read about Solomon in the Old Testament. But Jesus says that Solomon, even though he had everything that this world could offer, he still fell short of a simple little, uh, little God-created lily. God is able to make one flower so beautiful that there are no riches on the face of this earth that could ever compare to it. Right? And even though He is our God, and even though we know how all powerful He is, we still waste so much time in this life worrying about the things of this world and fretting over them. But is not our God big enough to take care of us? That's what Jesus is pointing out. Yes. Indeed, he is. And Jesus further goes on in verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. In other words, those that haven't even come to God, that haven't even come to Christ. In other words, the the, the rest of the world around you thinks the same way, right? For your heavenly father, he goes on, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but... Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, staying on the topic of peace here. If we let the material things of this life consume us, then we are indeed being carnally minded. And remember, we read that being carnally minded leads to death, right? It's a spiritual death in a sense, right? Um, And you may also die physically earlier because you're so stressed out (laughs) by the things of this life. But to trust in God first, as Jesus says, to make this a priority, to seek first the kingdom of God, to do this above all else, to care more about what God wants for you than what you want from this life. This is being spiritually minded. And that is what will bring you peace in this life. That's how we get peace. We serve a living God. He's alive and he cares for us and he will provide for our needs. Not our greeds, but our needs. And if we understand 1 Timothy chapter 6, where it says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Then we will not be so consumed by the things of this world. And then with that contentment, we also will find peace. Right? And I don't want to fly too quickly past that scripture I just quoted. 1 Timothy 6.6. Six, it says godliness with contentment is great gain. So we seek after godliness and we have contentment and then we've gained so much. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And and what shall man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said, in other words, the internal, who we are internally, that's what God cares about and that's where he wants our focus, right? Are we focused on godliness today? Is godliness our aim? If so, then we will find great gain and we will find life and peace. But all too often, we fall into that trap. All of us do. We fall into that trap of being carnally minded and setting our minds on the things of this temporary life. So what other practical things can we do to ensure that we live this life spiritually minded? Well, for one, we should make a habit in our lives to pause and pray at least once a day. Actually, I would encourage you to be a person that prays without ceasing, and this is possible. You just constantly be talking to the Lord within yourself. You we, we make a habit of this, right? There is not a better example of your mind being on God than being somebody constantly in communication with God who takes prayer seriously right and another thing that we can do to make a habit in our lives out of is reading god's word this is also a great way to keep your minds on the things of god and off of this world because in the word we see jesus and we see the way that he lived and we we can see and read about the way the things he wants for us like we just did in matthew how he wants our minds focused, not worrying about things, right? We learn all of this in the Bible. And Jesus desires for us to abide in him by abiding in his word. But if we take that one step even further than just reading the word and, and things like that, even of greater importance is the fact that we must heed God's word. In other words, live it, right? Actually live it out. As the book of James chapter one and verse 25 tells us. We are to be doers and not just forgetful hearers. And often it's so easy to come and even gather like this and then just be a forgetful hearer of all of this. And then the rest of the week starts flying at us and we start living in a whole different way, right? But we need to be doers of the word, right? What good is anything if we don't put it into practice in our daily lives. What good is it if we hide the light of Christ that is within us? We just hide it and and not let it affect us and affect others around us, right? And we can't think that we will experience peace in our lives if we're not living out the things that God tells us to do in his word. If we're really not taking it to heart, like what Jesus, we saw him say this morning, don't worry about things, right? If we don't, If we don't actually live that out, we're not going to find peace in our lives. And you see, the word of God is practical. It's applicable in our lives. It's living, right? It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. That's what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us. Or is it chapter 12, verse 4? I think it's 4.12, right? But it will change our lives drastically. But again, we must live it out. The word of God should have the effect in our lives of causing us to live this life differently than everyone else around us or the ways of this world anyway, right? All around us, people would love to know the peace of Jesus Christ in their hearts. And if you have Christ in you, but you're missing it because you're setting your mind on the wrong things, well, you can adjust, You can, the word is repent. It sounds like such a harsh word, but it just means turn around. Just start going in a different direction. Now, before we go back to Genesis 26, I'm going to expound even further on this topic with you. Turn to Romans chapter 12. So back in the book of Romans chapter 12, And here I'm going to show you another very practical way to have peace in your life. Okay? It, is, it, it might be hard-hitting in a sense, but it's a practical way that we can have peace in our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, now, that's a pretty strong verse of scripture, isn't it? It's, it's telling us that it's not unreasonable to ask that we submit our entire lives to God. It's, that's not unreasonable. It's called a sacrifice because it's not easy, but it is what God expects from us. He wants us trusting in him with all of our hearts, totally and absolutely surrender to Him in every aspect of our lives, our past, our present, and our future. Lay it all before Him, our food, our clothing, our shelter, our careers, our marriages, our child rearing, our finances, everything, surrender, sacrifice all to the Lord, lay it down before Him, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, saying, it's all yours, God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the Bible tells us. It's all, it's all his anyway. And verse two then says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so two things are being contrasted here as well, aren't they? conforming to this world is being contrasted with renewing your mind. Conforming to the world's one thing, renewing your mind is another. You're either going to do one or the other. It's that simple. You are either conforming to this world or you're renewing your mind. There's no third option here. And what does it mean to conform to this world? What are some examples of this? Well, we, we all live in a world and we've been born up, we've been born and, and raised up in a world knowing what it is to conform to this world. Movies, music, TV commercials, print advertisements, right? All of these things are designed to grab your attention and to conform you to this world, to get you focused in a certain direction. That's why they're all out there, right? Right? And parents that are not spiritually minded may have raised up children to seek the things of this world, and maybe you were one of those children, right? They may have told you to make lots of money, have a nice house, live in a nice neighborhood, spend some of your money on entertainment and such, you know, do this, do that, right? If if your parents didn't do this, then there are other things in this world trying to get you focused in that direction because remember satan tempted jesus and you can rest assured that he's coming after your mind as well he wants your mind he wants your thoughts and this is why there is nothing more important than seeking first the kingdom of god becoming spiritually minded and actually working on and spending time to renew your mind putting an effort forth to seek first the kingdom of God. We must change the way we think and ultimately this will change the way we live and we must fight against what this world system tells us and not just jump on board with it, right? This is what's called, this is what happens to a person when they come to Christ and they surrender their life to Him and they're born again, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, we're told in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new, right? So we have to come to a place, though, first of all, where we sacrifice everything to Jesus, and we lay it all down. So it starts with sacrifice, And it moves on to then a renewed mind, a spiritual mind focused on Jesus from that point, not a carnal mind. And this is how we find peace in our lives. And there is indeed peace to be found in this life, even though there are times of famine, times of trouble, times of lack. We can have peace, but it's in Christ and our minds must be fixed on him and not being carnally minded consumed by this world. And as we flip back now to Genesis chapter 26, Isaac and Rebekah I got all of that out of just they experienced the famine, right? They experienced the famine and they're going through a hard time in their lives. And as we read again, starting in verse two, Genesis 26, two, then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt live in the land of which I shall tell you. So the temptation you see for Isaac would have been the same as it was for his father, Abraham, just to do what Abraham did. And that was to go down to Egypt because there was plenty there. If you remember, we studied that. That's what Abraham did during the famine. He went down to Egypt. And you know, Egypt in the Old Testament often represents a type of this world right? When you think of Egypt and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, right? Being redeemed out of Egypt. It represents for us today this world, and we come out of this world, and we come to Christ, okay? The ways people live in this world without God is exemplified in the Old Testament as you look at Egypt, and often it's easy for people when things get bad to go back to the world, to go after the world, to go down to Egypt in a sense, right? Using another financial example, people think they need one thing or another thing and they don't have the money for it, but they want it bad, so what do they do? They go into debt. And then Proverbs 22:7 says that the borrower, the borrower is a servant to the lender. They make themselves slaves to debt, right? Because they want the world. They want something, so they go after it. Rather than just trust in God, who we see provides for the birds, and he cares more about us, he'll provide for us, right? So we need to trust in God rather than go down to Egypt, go into the world, go after the world, right? But oftentimes, rather than knowing that he will provide for us the things that we need, we instead become a slave to the world. The, sir, the borrower becomes a slave to the to a lender. And what does this do when that happens? Well, it takes our minds off of being spiritually minded. And now we have to become carnally minded. And there's a lot of stress. And I've got to work more. And I've got to do this. And I've got to do that to, to make ends meet. When if we're content... And we have godliness and we find that contentment ends will meet because God will provide for us because we're not seeking after greed. We're just taking what we need, what he gives to us, right? So God tells Isaac here, don't go there. Don't go down to Egypt. Don't go to the world, servant of God. Don't go that way. Dwell in this land, verse three. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give these lands. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So you see the importance being stressed there on keeping the word of God, walking in the way that he wants us to to walk, right? God indeed came through on his promises to Abraham. And in verse six there, what do we see Isaac doing? He obeys the word of God. Isaac did what God told him to do and he dwelt. In Gerar. He stayed right there in that place where God would provide for him. That's what we need to do. He didn't go down to Egypt. He didn't start seeking after the things that this world has to offer. And when you and me become carnally minded, it shows that we are going down in a sense. We're not looking up. Because looking up would be exemplified by walking in obedience to what God says and being spiritually minded and not fixing our eyes on the things of this world. And you know, that's a daily question for you and me to deal with. Will we obey the word of God? We've seen a lot from God's word today, right? What will we do with it? Will we be forgetful hearers of it or will we be doers? Most Christians just become Sunday after Sunday forgetful hearers and the rubber never really meets the road for them and they don't go out and live it. But our God is willing to provide for those that trust in Him. We see that He was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful to Isaac. We see that Jesus says in Matthew that He will provide for us like He provides for the birds of the air and the grass and the lilies of the field and all of that. He cares more about us. He will provide for us. He will do it, right? But we must surrender to Him. We must sacrifice to Him. And we must seek first the kingdom of God. Again, that's what, these are the things that God expects from us. But we must put an effort forth to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We must make an effort to be spiritually minded people. Because there is a battle for our minds. So are we losing our minds? That was the title that I gave in the beginning. Are you losing your mind? Not are you going crazy, but are you losing your mind to the things of this world? You're losing your mind to, you're surrendering it somewhere else rather than fixing your eyes on Jesus and being renewed in the spirit of your mind, being focused on God. And in Jesus Christ, we will find peace, peace in this life because Jesus Christ is the prince of peace, And in order to truly know this Prince of Peace, we must first come to Him. And we must surrender to Him on a daily basis. Surrender all to Him. Present our bodies as living sacrifice. Not conforming to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. There's a battle for your mind. Don't lose your mind to that battle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your holy word, Lord. We approach your word with reverence and with all, Lord. We understand, Lord, as I've quoted from your word, it is a living word. It's alive. It does a work within us that, that nothing else can, Lord. But Lord, the minute we get up from here, the minute we go off into the rest of this week, the world starts coming at us. And our mind starts going in every direction. But we must fight the spiritual battle to fix our minds on you. And and to come to that place where we do turn our eyes off of the things of this world and we turn our eyes upon you, Jesus. And then the things of this world will grow strangely dim because you offer us peace. You offer us contentment. But we must trust in you We must fully grasp that fact that you want us to lay it all down and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So God, we've heard your word this morning and it's on each one of us as individuals as to what we will do. But we thank you for your presence and we thank you for your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.